welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a passage here. I'm tying this in with Thanksgiving. This coming Thursday, it's hard to believe Thursday is Thanksgiving. Five weeks from today is Christmas. Six weeks from today is New Year's Day, 2023. It, is, it goes fast, especially this time of the year. End of the year, it's a time where we are uh, certainly uh, got a lot of... Uh, it's about to get very busy here at the church. A lot of exciting things going on. Opportunity for you to get involved and spend time with your church family and certainly honor the birth of Christ. But before we do that... Before we get to Christmas, we always can never skip Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is that time that we want to show our thanks to the Lord. And our passage today is going to be looking at a a, a scripture in Colossians chapter 3 about how Paul is writing to a church and he's telling the people how to live. And that's what Thanksgiving is. It's a way that we are instructed by the Lord, told by Jesus how we should be living our lives. And, and, and that one of that ways is having a thankful spirit, being able to count our blessings for sure with all of that. If you do have a bulletin insert, you want to pull it out and look on the inside, you can follow along as well with that. I want to share a story about uh, something going on, because I'm going to tie this in with our commitment and our connection with the church, us being believers, part of the church. Today begins what we call the World Cup. Now, I know we are in basketball and football country, but the rest of the world participates in a sport actually called football. But it's not real football. We call it soccer. The World Cup is a 64-match soccer tournament. It lasts about a month. It will actually conclude on December 8th. No, December 18th is when it concludes, 64 matches later. And it goes on every four years. Now, let me tell you how big this is, because I'm going to tie this in with the impact of the church, the Christian church. The last time we had a World Cup was in 2018, and 3.5 billion people, not million, billion people watched at least some of the matches that were going on of the 64 matches. This year, the organization that runs the World Cup is called FIFA, and it's in Qatar, a Middle Eastern country. This begins today. It's the host country. They are expecting, listen to this, folks, 5 billion people to watch the World Cup across this world. Now, there's only, in this, this coming week, we actually hit 8 billion people. That means the majority of the world will be watching this soccer tournament. Maybe not all the matches, but at some point, people will tune in and watch some of these matches that w- will occur. That's over half the world's population will be watching this. This will actually be, this World Cup that begins today, the largest event, the TV event, sporting event, in the history of mankind. No, nothing else will be viewed more than what we will see with today's World Cup. And 
What's amazing about this is 8 billion people, 5 of them, 5 billion, are watching these matches, at least some of the matches. You tie that in, what type of impact does Christianity have like that? Do you know there are, the United Nations recognizes 193 countries on earth. But there's actually 195. Two of them, I was researching this, two of them for some reason aren't recognized as nations, but anyway, whatever. 195 nations, or 193, however many we can count. Do you know, in all of those nations, there are born-again, Bible-believing Christians. In every nation on earth. Now, in many of these nations, you cannot be a Christian publicly. Now, listed the nations. If, you, if we were right now in North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Sudan, or Yemen, or Iran, we would not be having a public worship service like this whatsoever at all. It would be illegal, and you get, if not in prison, you get executed, public ex- execution, especially in some of those nations like Somalia and North Korea and Afghanistan. It's actually illegal in Afghanistan to be a Christian. It, it, yet there are believers in those nations, in some of the most challenging places on earth, that here on this morning, on Sunday, they are worshiping the Lord. That is the impact of, when I say the church, what is a church? A church has two parts. It's just like if you played oh, for a World Cup. Let's just say I was a soccer player. I would, I'm an American, so I would play on the national team for the United States. But then I would have a club team that I would, that's how I would make my money. You don't get really paid to play on the national team. Say I got, I was signed with Manchester United in England. I would play on their team for my job, but then when it came World Cup time, I would switch over and play for the USA, even though I played in England. It's like my, that's how it is. For us as Christians, it can be somewhat the same. We are part of what we call the universal church. Now remember, the church, we're not talking about a building here. People who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, just like we participated with the Lord's Supper, Think about all the millions and maybe billions of Christians who will also partake in the Lord's Supper just like we did this morning. They'll do that today all over the world. 195 nations, they'll participate in this. We are part of what we call the universal church. And that's a group of believers that all worship the Lord Jesus. But then, that's our identity part of the as a Christian, the universal church, then narrowing it down on our weekly worship, we're part of a local church. And that's what Broadway Baptist Church is. It's a local church, part of the big universal church. And what we're going to see here in this passage we're about to read this morning, we're going to see, okay, I'm part of a church. I'm part of the universal church. I'm a member of the body of Christ. So what now? What do I do? How do I live? Well, how do I go about my day knowing that I'm just part of a greater movement of the Lord all over the earth and the world? So that's what we're going to come to right there. What is our place 
as believers. And the Bible's going to teach us here in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, Paul is going to tell us, here's how you are to live. You're, you're part of the church, you're a born-again believer, and you, you love Jesus, now here's about going about your day. So I want you to follow along here in your Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, that's who we are. You have been chosen by the Lord. That meant the Lord, He set you apart. He picked you. He wanted to make sure you were part of His church. Do you know one of the great things about whenever we get saved, we can look back on our life thinking, well, my parents, they brought me to church. My friend invited me to revival. My schoolmate, they're the ones that shared the gospel with me in class, gave me a gospel track, and you can see all the different little steps that occurred to how you came to responding to the gospel. It's just it's amazing to see all the little uh, things that the Lord was doing to getting you at the point to walk this aisle, to respond yes to Jesus to come to believer's baptism and say, I want to follow the Lord. That's what it means to be chosen. Holy and dearly loved. Holy means we're set apart for God. So here's what we do. This is what we call, in the preceding verses of this chapter, it's what we call the put-off, put-on principle. Your old way of life, you put away these things. We no longer act like this. We no longer do these things. So here's what we do put on. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Do you know what that means, bearing with one another? That means when other folks have challenges, when other folks are walking through uh, just life's difficult journeys, instead of saying, they have a messy life, I don't want to deal with them, this just, what do I do with this? God tells us you're going, to, you're going to hold their hand. You're going to listen. You're going to walk through whatever they're going. You're bearing. You're that believer that's come alongside to whatever their challenges are, whatever their struggles. You're, you're there. You don't abandon them. You bear with them. When your children disobey, do you abandon them? Say, I don't want them anymore. I want some new kids. Do you dump your spouse like that when they disappoint you? No, you bear with you bear with your family. You know, we're coming up on family week. Got family here on the second pew with me. I mean, you know, you know what we all know what Thanksgiving Christmas means. That means sadly, there will be disagreements. There's people you might not be the best friends with, there's folks you might not get along with, but you bear with them. Christ calls and tells us as believers part of the universal church of the Lord. We are to bear with one another. And here's why. There's a reason. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Listen, I cannot tell you how many of us, how many folks or will go to their grave carrying bitterness, harboring anger of unforgiveness. They were hurt, you were wronged, you were a victim, and it's true, you were. But are you going to allow that 
to carry on your entire life all the way till you meet Jesus. And then you stand before the Lord and you say, God, you knew my 40 years on life, I dealt with pain and suffering and I was hurt. Christ calls, Christ commands us, we must forgive. Why do we must forgive? Because Jesus forgave us. How on earth can I receive Jesus' forgiveness, yet I refuse to forgive my friend, my family, my church friend, a co-worker, whoever it is, or just a random person. Jesus is telling us, folks, you have been forgiven, and a characteristic of the Lord's people is they forgive others. If you are here this morning and you are, have resentment, animosity towards someone else, that is the Lord speaking to you. And He's saying you need to forgive them. You, you forgive them not because they deserve it. Not because they earn it. Not because they're entitled to it. You forgive them, Daniel, because I forgave you. That's what forgiveness is based on. It's based on the Lord's forgiveness. No, we don't, we, no, no one's entitled. We don't have to do it because we just need to do it. We do it because the Lord tells us to do it. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And look at this. And be thankful. That's our Thanksgiving message right there. You're to be thankful. That's, a, that's thankfulness. It's just like these men saying, it's a spirit that you just walk through life. It's not something that all of a sudden you decide, oh, today I'm going to be thankful. It's who you are every day. We're thankful because we've been saved. We're thankful that we're part of a church. We're thankful that we live here in the United States. We're thankful for our family. It's, we're thankful to be able to come worship here. Think about those other countries I named. They don't have this freedom. They'd love to be here. Worshiping the Lord. And we, we cannot take these things for granted. Last Sunday we observed Veterans Day. Those folks died for our freedom. They gave their lives so we can be here. It says you're to be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you. Do you know Jesus quoted the Old Testament 137 times? And the most common book He quoted was Jeremiah. That meant the Word of God it lived in Jesus' heart. And if Jesus knew His Bible, you say, you say, what Bible did Jesus quote? The Bible I'm holding in my hand is the one He quoted. That's what He memorized. That's what He focused on. So when it tells us here, let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you, means these words of Jesus, the teachings of the Word of God, it has to take root, deep root in your life. If not, you, you, won't know, you won't know the things of the Lord. God has chosen to speak to us through, through written language. He wrote it down so it would be passed on through the centuries. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through Psalms, this is what we do. This is what we're talking about. Where would we do these events at? We're about to read here in this verse, in verse 16. It's done in the local context of a church. Paul's writing to a church. He's assuming you're going to practice all of these things in among fellow believers. 
and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's that Thanksgiving message. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him. The Bible's telling us here that we are to find ourselves remembering that we're chosen by God, The Bible tells us we're set apart, we're loved by, and we're forgiven by God. And because of these things, we should continuously be practicing it among one another. Now I'm going to read another passage here of Scripture. I'm going to share something because we read about this and we say, okay, the Bible's telling me here that we are part of a church. So are we talking about a building? What are we talking about here? And the answer to that, because in the Old Testament, and understanding how during Jesus' time, when they went to church, but they didn't call it the church until Jesus established the church in Matthew 16, 18 with Peter. Jesus would go to the temple. He would worship in a local synagogue, but several times a year, he would take as a child, he would take pilgrimages. That's why he, when he was 12 years old, he got lost at church. He was taking a pilgrimage with his mom and dad, and he got lost. And Mary and Joseph came on back home and said, where's our, where's our son at? Or lose a child. And then you have to go back and get him. And so that's what he, they had they'd gone to the temple. So we say here, well, what is the temple? Where is the capital of the church? During Jesus' time, the capital was actually in Jerusalem at a special spot that the Lord designated for the temple to be built. The same temple that was built right there with Solomon. God told David, at this spot, you're going to build my temple. And that's the only place in the Bible it can be built. But that is shifted now for us. We no longer travel to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. If you remember, Jesus one time met a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He, he confronted her and she He revealed to her about her whole life. And then she quickly said, Hey, I'm from Samaria. I worship here at this location in in, in Samaria. And then we know the Jews, they worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, No, there's coming a day. You're no longer going to worship in Samaria. And you're no longer going to worship in Jerusalem. You're going to worship in spirit and in truth. What was Jesus talking about? in spirit and in truth. And the answer, Paul writes about this. He tells us where we worship. This is how we live. So I want you to look here. It's up on the screen. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible tells us, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. You say, why is that so important? Why does God make such a big uh, uh, emphasis on sexual immorality? And he answers the question on the next Bible verse. Verse 19. Don't you know that your body, that's our, our body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Meaning, You don't go to this temple anymore. This is not your place of worship. You worship the Lord 
and the body whom Jesus died on the cross, gave his body and his blood for you. The place of worship is, is me. I go myself and worship the Lord. I'm not my own. I'm, not, I, I'm owned by someone else. Who am I owned by? The Lord. He's chosen. He's set me apart. He's made me holy. That's what he's talking about. This is our place right here. Look at this last verse. Verse 20. Last verse of this morning. For you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Folks, that is, that is where we worship. Our bodies, our lives are for Him. We're set apart for Him. And we worship Him. So when we find ourselves, listen to this, going tying this in with Colossians chapter 3, when we find ourselves harboring bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, uh, uh, refusing to forgive other people and repenting of our sins, do you know what we're doing? We're eating ourselves alive. We're allowing sin to come into our life, indwelling sin, and it's literally actually destroying us and the lord is saying why are you doing this because i bought you i paid for you how did i pay for you i sent my son to die on the cross so for us as believers what do we do as christians here we we've learned what the word of god says it's very instructive that our life our bodies is set apart for the lord and now we go about, okay, here I am. It's 2022, almost 2023. How am I to live my life knowing this? Well, the Bible's told us about the put-on principle. It reminds us that our, our temp, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. How do we take this vow? So here's I want you, I'm going to follow along in, my, or in your bulletin right here. What does the church, now remember, the church, it's not a building. It's a body of believers. That's you and I. What does the body of believers do here's what we do we gather weekly to worship the lord why don't we do that because that's what they did in the new testament they met on the lord's day when's the lord's day it's on sunday the sabbath is on saturday the sabbath today is still on saturday it never changes because the lord never changes but the lord's day is the first day of the week and that is sunday morning why because of the resurrection that's why we worship here on Sunday morning. That's when we come at 8.45, first thing in the morning, 20 degree weather outside, and we come no matter what to worship the Lord. There's a focus on preaching and teaching the Scriptures in a worship service. And why do we do that? Because Colossians chapter 3 told us you're going to let the Word of God dwell richly. Could you imagine coming to church and there's no sermon? And the Word of God is not read. The, the, the Bible is not preached and taught that's what we come for and then we also we we sing the bible tells us there we sing spiritual songs hymns praising the lord and this occurs so that even lost people can get saved there might be some people here this morning who do not know the lord you can give your life to jesus at a sunday worship service no special event just a regular sunday to get saved and become a born-again believer. What else do we do? We're organized under the leadership of God-called pastors and deacons. We saw our deacons right here. I'm a God-called pastor. 
God called me to preach when I was 16 years old. These men here that we had were God-called deacons. Tonight in our business meeting, we'll have the opportunity of voting on some new God-called deacons. This is your biblical leadership of a church. Where does this come from? It comes from the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 lays out how Paul was writing to Timothy, saying, here's how you're going to organize a church. There's organization. It's not just chaos. It's not just whatever goes. We observe the Lord's Supper and baptism. That's what we do. We had baptism a few weeks ago. Last Sunday, 11-15 service, we had a young lady get saved and she's going to receive believer's baptism. What is baptism? It's a picture of your old life going under the water and your new life coming up. If you have not received believer's baptism, you're living in disobedience. Remember, I've said it before, the only person in the Bible who had never received believer's baptism is because he was literally nailed to a cross next to Jesus is the thief on the cross. He got saved on the cross, yet he could not get baptized because he was nailed to a cross and he died on the cross. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Everyone else received believer's baptism. So we also need to receive believer's baptism. We also participate in the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is people who are saved and baptized. And we were coming here this morning and our son Benjamin, who looks like he's now in children's, or they're laying down, he's, uh, he also, we were talking about how this was to this morning was his first Lord's Supper. Because he got saved at Revival, he got baptized, and he got to participate that. Can you remember your first Lord's Supper? Can you remember what, hey, what God has done in your life? A place of discipline. We become disciples through discipline. That's the accountability. That's what we witnessed there in Colossians chapter 3. He's telling us, you bear with one another. You forgive one another. You hold one another accountable. That's, that's why you have to be connected to a local body. We aren't to be spiritual orphans just out there trying to do our own thing. There's accountability for God's people. And it's a place of obedience to the Great Commission. That means there are people in these 195 nations on earth who do not know the Lord. There are lost people. And we are our responsibility, whether they're on the ends of the earth or our neighbors next door, is to share the gospel with them. To be praying for opportunities. To say, God, how are you going to use me to reach my street, to reach my school, to reach my place of work, wherever it is, there's lost people all around. And a church and the body of Christ, you, have the key part in reaching our lost city with the gospel. And there's no greater need than now. Listen, if 5 billion people, more, there aren't even 5 billion Christians on earth, more people will tune in to watch the World Cup these next four weeks then they will worship the Lord over the next four weeks. That shows you, in many ways, the deception of sports. Five, there's roughly about one and a half to two billion Christians on earth. Yet five billion are going to watch soccer. And I think for us, when we hear these massive statistics, this reminds us of the great gospel need out there. And it starts with us saying, I'm going to be part of my church. I'm going to commit to a church. I'm going to commit to grow. I'm going to commit to holiness. 
And Lord, I'm going to see, I'm going to be a part of you working through me, beginning right here in Lexington. You were set apart with a purpose. God had a plan for you. And he still does. Goes to say one final story. Yesterday was our men's prayer breakfast, and something significant happened yesterday. Bob Tanner has he comes every he gets here like at four thirty in the morning on every every third Saturday of the month, and he cooks our men's prayer breakfast. Bob would normally be sitting right there, but Bob's health has been going. Uh, unfortunately, it's been going downhill lately, and he he came by this office this week and he cooked our steak dinner at Revival and uh, he spoke to me this week and says, Daniel, I can't do it. I'm, I'm having health concerns. I'm getting weaker and weaker. I'm slowing down. I, I, I've got to step down. This is going to be, he told me it's going to be his last men's prayer breakfast to cook. And he said, well, how did it all start, Bob? He was telling me he started cooking 21 years ago. 21 years ago, he started the very his first time to go into the kitchen, I guess, and start fixing that breakfast 12 times a year for the men of this church. And I was thinking about that. You know, men's prayer breakfast is our time we pray for prayer requests. Men's prayer breakfast is our time that we, uh, we've seen lives change. We pray for men. We encourage men. Think about the not hundreds, but over those 21 years, the thousands of prayers that were prayed. Thousands of prayers. The needs that were brought to the Lord. The requests, the burdens that we just laid at the feet of Jesus. 21 years ago, Bob told me there was a need in this church for a man to step up and keep the breakfast going. And Bob loves to cook. And he stepped up. He never would have imagined 21 years later, God still had him doing that. Folks, if it hadn't have been for Bob, those prayers, those prayer requests, those laying on of hands, and when folks were just broken over the years, Bob started naming to me different prayer requests that had been answered over his 21 years. During that time, he went through cancer and God healed him because the men prayed for him. During that time, he started telling me of folks who over the decades who just were, had devastating news and God brought them through it. Folks, that's what it means when we read our Bibles and it tells us in Colossians chapter 3 to bear with one another, forgive one another, give thanks, You are chosen people. You're realizing God has given me the gift of cooking breakfast for men once a month. And I'm going to use that gift to serve and honor the Lord. Many of you first came to this church through a men's prayer breakfast. Because we have visitors. All sorts of folks come. In fact, the very first time I met Broadway Baptist Church was in December of 2016 at the men's prayer breakfast. It was when I first met all the guys. It was on the very first event. And Bob cooked. 4.30 in the morning, he was there. Folks, I ask you, where is your place? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God has called us 
God has gifted us, and we are at a time, spiritually, where the church needs to have a massive impact on Lexington and, gosh, our entire world. It's becoming very secular around here. There is no more critical time for Christians to hold to their Bible and says, I'm going to recommit. I'm going to commit to the Lord. I'm going to commit to serving Him. I'm going to commit even cooking for Him. I'm going to commit being a part of a church that loves and serves Him. Folks, that's what we give thanks for. You have been saved by the blood of Jesus. You've been set apart for the Lord. And now we daily live for Him. I'm going to invite David Dale to come forward. We're going to have our invitation. We're going to have our invitation. I want you to turn your songbook. We're going to sing hymn number 544. I've just preached this sermon about the importance for you being committed to the Lord. And some of you need to respond. Some of you need to make Broadway your church home. There is a place for you here. This is our time to respond to God. Jesus calls and instructs us to do that. So let's stand together. I'm going to invite some of our deacons to come down front. They stand with me. We're all going to stand together. I'm going to be standing down front. You want to come get saved, get baptized, or join this church? Now is your time to respond to God. David, 544 in our songbook.